And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the tantalizing Lisa Wolf, but she's under the weather, so my co-host tonight is my crabby brother, Vince Amari. In this hour, it's a true crime case solved by Scotland Yard on Whitehall 1212 from 1952. But first, I will be your lyricist for learning the lyrics. I will read popular song lyrics, and my brother will try to guess the name of the songs while you play along at home. Sound good, bro? Sounds good. All right, now, all of these songs, there's three songs, they all start with the letter B, okay? okay. All very popular songs, like top hit songs. So okay. put your thinking cap on. Done. All right, I'm going to read you uh, the first song lyrics here. How many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? How many seas must a white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? Yes, and how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blown in the wind. Oh, my gosh. How many roads must a man walk down? Wow, I'm impressed. Before you call him a man. I'm impressed. For a guy who doesn't know song titles, or so he claims. Yeah, he claims. Hey, I could fake it, can't I? Before she sleeps in the sand. Wow, I'm really impressed. How many times must the cannonballs fly? I didn't get it until the very last set. Yeah? You got talking to the microphone. The answer is, that's how I got it. I mean, he can get the songs, but he doesn't know to talk into the microphone. <laughs> and here's a guy that was a singer in a band. My brother was a singer in a band. Don't you know you can't? You have to sing into the microphone, I bro. guess. I guess. You should know that by now. Well, maybe that's why I never made it singing in the band, because I was not singing to you know the microphone. Hey, Mike, you know what his number one hit was? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of it right now. I, I... He had a hit. My, my brother had a hit. It's called Bird Turd. Right, <laughs> right. Bird Turd. Bird Turd. Da-na-na-na-na-na-na. Bird Turd. Da-na-na. It's on your, your window. Da-na-na. It's on your car. Da-na-na. All right, so uh, Bob Dylan would probably take that song and make a hit out of it. Bro. Probably. All right, prob- probably. Probably. 
Probably. Why okay. haven't you taken it, Carl, and made a well, hit out of I it? I can't sing. My brother's actually a darn good singer. All right, he's got one, and I, you know, two out of three ain't bad. You know, as uh, I got to get one said. more then. All right, I think you're gonna get. I think you're gonna get at least this one for sure. All I right. think you're gonna get all of them. Really? Wow. All right. Here we go. Song number two. In the day we sweated out on the streets, on a runaway American dream. All night we ride through the mansions of glory, in suicide machines. Sprung from cages on Highway 9, chrome-wheeled, fuel-injected, and stepping out over the line. Oh, baby, this town rips the bones from your back. It's a death trap. It's a suicide rap. We got to get out while we're young. Because tramps like us, baby, born to run. He did it again, Mike. He did it again. Springsteen. Suicide machines. Sprung from cages on Highway 9. Chrome wheel, human checker, and stepped it out over the Suicide rap. We gotta get up while we're young. Cause like us. Baby, we were born to run. Oh, yeah. That's a boss right there. Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run, one of his biggest hits. Uh, tremendous song. And my brother, he's uh, he's got two out of two out of two, two out of two. Mike, he's pretty darn good at these. Games. I know. What do you think? Is he gonna get this one too? I think so. I see here. Um, Thanks yeah. for the confidence, Mike. Yeah, he's gonna get this one. Yeah, he'll get this one. I'm pretty sure. All right, so he's two for two. Here is the third song of the evening. Starts with a B. Hey, where did we go? Days when the rains came. Down in the hollow, playing a new game. Laughing and a-running. Hey, hey. Skipping and a-jumping. In the misty morning fog, with our, our hearts a-thumping and you. And then the... Uh... The next the thing title. is the title. Oh, God. It's, it's, Should I skip it and then go to something yeah, else? Yeah. I'll skip it. To Tuesday and so slow, going down the old mine with a transistor radio, standing in the sunlight, laughing, hiding behind a rainbow's wall, slipping and sliding all along the waterfall with you. And then the title. Brown-Eyed Girl. Van Morrison. Yeah, Brown-Eyed Girl. 
days when the rains came. Down in the hollow. Three for three, Mike. Playing a Good new job. Game. Man, I'm impressed. Laughing and a running. Hey, hey. Skipping and a jumping. In the misty morning fog with all oh, our hearts are thumping and you. My brown eyed girl. tell you you know what bro yeah next time my uh co-host make him a little harder for you know what i mean make him a little harder (laughs) will do no i'm just kidding will do bro hey great job wow thank you man i'm uh, i'm impressed i will say that my brother Vince got all three right. Oh, man. Okay, when we come back, we're going to tune into a true crime case on Whitehall 1212. So stay with us. You remember when we used to sing? More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. It's got my confirmation because on the break I ordered uh, my Mies meals. Lisa ordered hers and Mike ordered his. And, okay, we've got our confirmation. Barbecue chicken is one of them. Steak Florentine, I'm guessing that is for Mikey. Sounds about right. Barbecue pizza was Lisa. And then I got chicken franchise. And um, let me tell you, I've had, I, I ordered chicken franchise once before. It was fabulous. Folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's our uh, sponsor, Me's Meals. They're amazing. And I mean amazing. Every single week for almost a year now, Lisa, myself, and Mike have been ordering meals from Me's Meals because they come all chopped and uh, prepped and ready to go, all washed and clean. And you get a little um, index card in there that tells you how to uh, how to cook it. It takes about 15 minutes to cook the food. You get everything you need, and um, you have a gourmet meal on the table in, like, less than 20 minutes. It's amazing. They have the best chefs. They do all the work for you. They do all the buying of the food for you, all of that. And it comes right to your home. It's all wrapped really uh, airtight and in uh, dry ice. And they deliver it to almost anywhere in the United States. I think it's like 90-plus percent of the United States you can get Mies Meals. And uh, my brother also gets Mies Meals. And one of the things he was really surprised about was you don't have to sign up to any subscription. You can just order whenever you want. And if this week you're out of town and you don't want to order, you just don't. But, folks, go to their website. Check it out. Every week they put up new meals for you. Mies Meals, M-E-E-Z, meals.com. And when you order your very first time, you get 50% off by using the promo code CARL at checkout. 50% off. Don't forget to use the promo code CARL. Go to Mies, M-E-E-Z, meals.com. I promise you, you'll love it. So many people have learned about Mies Meals from our show. I get uh, emails and texts all the time. Thank you, thank you for telling me about Mies Meals. 
we're happy to do it. We love them as a sponsor, and we love their food. And you know what? The, the one thing I'm really happy about is I've never been disappointed at the quality of the ingredients. Oh, it's And great. I've tried other other subscription yeah. kind of services. Yeah. And I've always had some kind of an issue. Yeah, no, it's and this super is the fresh. Only, this Mies Meals is the, the only place where I've, I've never gone anything that came in bad no it's always super always fresh. super fresh yeah and it's ju- it's just great folks just try it meesmeals.com promo code carl 50 percent off you will love it all right great for people on the go absolutely all right it's time now for whitehall 1212 true crime series that came to radio in 1951 and it was a lot like the black museum as mike has said um, great stories, and these are all true. Here's an April 27, 1952 episode called The Case of Francesca Nicholson. Here's Whitehall 1212. Whitehall first time in history, Scotland Yard opens its official files to bring you the authentic, true stories of some of its most baffling cases. These are the true stories, the plain, unvarnished facts, just as they occurred, reenacted for you by an all-British cast. Only the names of the participants have for obvious reasons been changed. The stories are presented for the full cooperation of Scotland Yard. Research on Whitehall 1212 is furnished through Percy Hoskins of the London Daily Express. The stories for radio are written and directed by Willis Cooper. Listen now to Chief Superintendent John Davidson, curator of Scotland Yard's famous Black Museum, for a briefing on case number 270809. Good afternoon. I hope you don't think that we're mere souvenir collectors here in the Black Museum. We do collect articles that have figured in many of the crimes we have solved. But we have better reasons for doing so than the morbid satisfaction of gloating over them. They form a kind of criminal compendium, not of how to do murder, but how murder has been done. And the items we have on our shelves here fall into several categories. Illustrations of motives, demonstrations of methods and means and examples of the mistakes that caused the murderer's arrest and punishment. Of course, we have these souvenirs from other types of cases, but the reputation of the Black Museum rests largely upon the predilection of the human race for violent and unlawful death. If you're contemplating this oldest of crimes, bear in mind the fact that here at Scotland Yard, we have thousands of reminders of the hopelessness of it. And change your mind before the hangman says to you, stand here, please, as he did to the man who owned this dark gray shirt. Yes, that's blood on it. Some of it is his. Chief Inspector Eric Lincoln solved that case. Number 270-809. I'll ask him to take over. John, you're always quoting a verse from the Bible about the wicked fleeing when no man pursueth. Proverbs... 28th chapter, first verse. And what happens when the wicked stand still and all men pursue it? You can't pursue a man that's standing still, Eric. But when he joins the pursuit, he stumbles over the last man in the race, John. 
Now, who's the last man? The hangman. Francesca Nicholson had been missing nearly a week when Peter Sinjin of a well-known London evening newspaper laid the packet of photographs on my desk. She's not particularly pretty, is she? She was not particularly pretty. Too tall. Mm, five foot nine and a half. Wears eyeglasses. You tell me her eyes are blue and quite pretty. Like a gazelle's, this fellow said. I've never seen a gazelle. Gazelles have brown eyes. Hmm. Quite prominent teeth. Like a horse's, aren't they? Well. You think she'd, she'd not be too hard to find? I should say so. Well, they haven't found her. What's her name, Nicholson? Uh, Nicholson, yes, sir. Francesca Nicholson. Mm -hmm. Lived with her mother in Kensal Rise. Had her hair done one day, put on a new dress, packed a small attache case, and bunged off. Not to return. I can read, Peter. Oh, sorry. How old is she? Twenty-six, it says there. Sorry. Quite right, sir. Been rowing with her mother? Me? The girl, fool. <laughs> mother assured me that they were on the best of terms. Maybe mother was telling a whopper. Maybe mother beat her. Don't think so, sir. The neighbors are on Kensal Rise. They're pretty pals here. The girl have any enemies? None discernible, sir. Boyfriend? One, the cove that discussed Gazelle's eyes. What's he like? I don't think he bathes often enough. Two front teeth missing, no eyebrows, dirty blonde hair, no great toe on his left foot. How do you know about his toes? He told me about them in detail. Where's he live? Crowborough, Sussex. Raises chickens down there. Lives in a sort of hut. The chickens? Chickens live in a much nicer place than he does. Sir. What's his opinion? He's sure the Mormons have got her. Mormons? <laughs> That's what the silly blighter said. Mormons don't kidnap people. I suggested that, so he changed his uh, mind. Said you might have had a nerve storm and wandered onto the moors and perished. What moors? Just moors in the middle of her nerve storm. Nerve storm? Is the man crazy? <laughs> well, as our American cousins say, I think he has a button or two missing. Seriously, though, he's frightfully upset about her disappearance. Tried to be helpful. That's where I got these photographs. How did he find out she was missing? You tell him? No. That she was, that's where she was headed for when she left home. Crowborough? Crowborough and the chicken farm. Why? We've been engaged for four years. Gay to be married? Quiet. I don't know about her, except what I hear, but he is genuinely in love with her. Tears as big as small hen's eggs appear every time he mentions her. Poor blighter. Well, what was... I mean, did she go to visit him often? Oh, every few months, apparently. He used to stay with a family named Powers. The chicken farm's a mile or two outside the town. These Powers people, do they know anything about all this? Oh, they're quite mystified. They were expecting her, but she didn't show up. This boyfriend... What's his name? Tufty, Norman Tufty. He came into the powers to greet her, and there she wasn't. Then he reported her missing? Not for three days. Hard to telegraph from Crowborough, I suppose, or hadn't the money or something. But he wrote a postcard to her mother, quite worried. You see the postcard? There it is, right there beside the photograph. Oh, yes. My own darling Francesca, where did you get to Saturday? I went to meet you, but did not turn up. I suppose you were detained unexpectedly for some reason. What's that word? Uh, devotedly, I think. Devotedly Norman. Doesn't seem very devoted. British understatement, old boy. Hmm. 
And when did he call the police? The same day? He didn't call the police himself. He... Oh, he didn't. It was the Powers. Mrs. Powers, who seems to be very nice, talked to a constable of the Sussex police she knows, and he came round to the chicken farm. You mean this devoted Norman didn't even do that much? Oh, he told me he was going to walk into the police station and tell them himself as soon as he'd finished feeding the chickens. Suppose he really wouldn't, Peter? Constable told me that our boy, Chicken Fancier, was quite annoyed when he called. Spoke quite sharply about people who stuck their long noses in his business. Aha, said the chief inspector. I twirled my moustache, too, when I heard that. Go on. Well, Mrs. Powers told me that Mr. Tufty came roaring in from the chicken farm, full of reproaches for her, because she told the constable that Miss Francesca was missing. Now, this thing's beginning to smell quite fruity, isn't it? He called Mrs. Powers certain unpleasant names. He owled, the lady said, like a hape. Huh. Mr. Powers heard the altercation and came up, threatening to dot him one, and Norman left in a towering but ineffectual rage. He's a little bit of a chap. The fruity odour increases. It'll presently suffuse the entire room. I called on Mr. Norman Tufty again to ask him a few civil questions. Mr. Tufty was out. I must have inadvertently snooped a bit in his absence. Mm, apprehensible. I thank you. In the course of my inadvertent snooping, I found this in a cupboard. And see it. Hmm. Envelope addressed to Norman Tufty Esquire, the chicken ranch. Ha! Near Crowborough, Sussex. So what? Have a look at the return address, Chief Inspector. Mrs. Norman Tufty. Might be his mother, old boy. He's an orphan. Smell anything now? All right, that's the first portion of Whitehall 1212. Whitehall 1212 was actually the exchange and telephone number of the Metropolitan Police Headquarters, or more simply, Scotland Yard. So it's almost like our 911, you know, they were uh, Whitehall 1212. This show was created by Willis Cooper, who also created Lights Out and uh, Quiet Please. This was a completely American production. It was all done in Hollywood, but the actors were actually British, all British cast. So it really sounded like it was coming from across the pond, you know. Um, Good series, and uh, we will get back to this episode called The Case of Francesca Nicholson from April 27, 1952 on Whitehall 1212, so stick around. Hi, Carl Amari here. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, Suspense, and Burns and Allen, consider becoming a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows in superior sound quality, along with historical liner notes and photos of their radio stars. The 10 shows I'll send you will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. Members also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour holiday Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. The digital links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities whenever you'd like. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, there's no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. 
Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. A little earlier, I was talking about Radio Rarity. is a new podcast series that Lisa Wolf and I co-host together. Carl Shadow does a great job uh, writing it. And Mike Estella, who does not get enough credit, I, I'm telling you, Mike Estella produces it. And um, he not only produces Radio Rarities, he produces Hollywood 360, and um, what else do you do over there, Mike? What are you doing in the bathtub all the time? Uh, I'm, I'm looking at notes so I can teach classes. Oh, yeah. He also teaches I'm, at Columbia uh, College. And he also produces, uh, he really puts together the classic radio club, too. That's why all the quality is. But, Mike, you don't get enough credit. And I just want to acknowledge you um, that you're really, even though you take a lot of baths, a lot of baths. Whether, whether I need them or not. Yeah, he takes one. He takes one every other day, whether he needs to or not. But um, you really you do a great job, Mike. I just want you to know that um, you're very much appreciated, not by just me, but by our listeners. They love hearing these shows in pristine quality, and that's Mike Costello for you. So, Mike, kudos to you. Thank you. Happy to do it. Yeah, I mean, really great job. And he's been doing this for a long time. Pretty, he even does it in his sleep. He can even do this. He's actually mixing these shows while he's sleeping. And actually, he helps keep we, the genre alive. He does. We we have these collections that you're having me process. And yeah. Actually, last night, my computer was running doing while, some while work. While you were doing a little sleeping? While I was sleeping. Well, yes. that's good. Yeah, see, that's so I'm right. He, he's even producing these shows while he's sleeping. But, um, you know, I was talking a little earlier about Radio Rarities and how uh, last week's show, which came on the podcast, so if you, so everybody, your Monday podcast, if you get the podcast, make sure you listen to the Radio Rarities. It's at the end of the five-hour show, and it is a very unique program, a scary show called Satan's Waitin'. Very interesting program, and we go into a lot of detail about it. And we had, I, I was talking about it, and four or five people texted me and said, man, that was really cool. That was a really awesome broadcast. We have some amazing shows coming your way. We, we are just, you know, we're culling through the library and finding these rare and unique, you know, pilot episodes and shows that have big-name stars or the the star of the show was missing and someone else took their place because they had a you know, miss the show for whatever reason. There's all of the these reasons why they're rare and interesting, and they're all coming your way on Radio Rarities. So, folks, if you want to get the Radio Rarities podcast in Hollywood 360, sign up. It's uh, it's uh, all there at Hollywood360radio.com, Hollywood360radio.com. Sign up. The links never expire. They're yours forever. All right, we're listening to Whitehall 1212. From April 27, 1952, here's the conclusion. After receiving permission from the Sussex Chief Constable, I went to Crowborough and Peter Sinjin with me. I found a small room at the local hotel, the Pied Merlin, whilst Peter took the other one. After breakfast the next morning, the worst I ever ate in my life, we tramped out to the chicken farm. Mr. Norman Tufty kicked at a hungry hen who was investigating the contents of a peak green biscuit tin near the door of the hut and walked towards us. Peter Sinjin hadn't exaggerated when he spoke of Tufty's disregard for baths. He reminded me of a crafty pig. He smiled an unpleasant, gat-toothed smile at Peter. Oh-ho! Oh-ho, Mr. Tufty. It's the journalist, fella. 
You remember me? Snooper. Asking questions. Uh, may I present... I don't want to know no more of your ilk, mister. What do you want now? I was interested in what you might have heard of your fiancé, Mr. Tufter. Think I murdered her? Just trying to pick up any news. Well, I haven't heard anything, mister. No news at all? Give you a spot of news for half a crown. Done. What's the news? I killed her. Oh, did you? Killed her dead. Buried her, too. Where, Mr. Tufty? Oh, see where that old black hand's scratching? There by the old tree stump. Ah, that's the place. Dug a hole and buried her deep. Well, tell me how you killed her, Mr. Tufty. <laughs> Hit her over the head with the axe. <laughs> she didn't half bleed. <laughs> that her blood on your shirt, Mr. Tufty? Who's this fella? This, Mr. Tufty, is Chief Inspector Lincoln of Scotland Yard. <laughs> well, blimey. <laughs> Let's give it out as good as you get. <laughs> That's rich, that is. <laughs> Chief Inspector of Scotland Yard. <laughs> that is funny, isn't it? <laughs> You're a funny blatter, Sinjin. <laughs> Chief Inspector Scotland Yard, that's good. <laughs> Say, who are you? Another one of those journalist chaps or what? As a matter of fact, sir, I am Chief Inspector Lincoln of Scotland Yard. <laughs> Bit of all right, man. <laughs> Even talks like a Scotland Yard bloke right out of the cinema. <laughs> and here's my card. <laughs> You're not going to arrest me, are you, sir? I... This is an awful thing, sir. Me making a fool of myself this way. I thought you was joking, too. Uh, it wasn't a very good joke, Mr. Tufty. Well, I hardly know what to say, sir. I know it was a terrible thing to say. And my poor darling Francesca missing like this. I'm surprised you can make jokes at all. I'm, I'm not ashamed of myself, Mr. Sinjin. And you too, Chief Inspector Lincoln, sir. Making such jokes about my poor darling Francesca. <laughs> but, but nobody knows if she's, if she's laying dead in the fields or held. Prisoner by a band of white slavers. Oh, come, come, Tufty. <laughs> Scotland Yard will find her, Tufty. I don't think so. Of course we will. Oh, do find my darling chief inspector. Go out and search the highways and the byways and, and bring her safe back to me, sad. Maybe she's run down by some hit and run driver and lost her memory. Calm yourself, <laughs> Mr. Tufty. <laughs> oh, put a sock in it. Hold your tongue, you nasty sod, you. Look here, Oof, you hold your own filthy tongue or I'll stuff it down your throat, you. Stop him. Stop him, Chief Inspector. He'll murder me. He'll kill me. Stop it. Stop it, Peter. I'm sorry. Stop him, Chief Inspector. Shut up. Get back to your chicken, Stuffy. But, sir. I'll talk to you later without Mr. St. John. Come on, Peter. But, but, Chief Inspector. We'll find your Francesco all right, Tufty. Speaking of smells, my dear Chief Inspector, what a towering stink Mrs. Norman Tufty will raise if and when you do. You suppose that bar is open at the Pied Merlin? What we both need is a glass of beer. Oh, preferably two.
The bar was open, and the beer, by contrast with the breakfast, was reasonably satisfactory. Peter swilled down his first glass and set it down. And what do you make of that, my dear Watson, inquired Holmes? The man's crackers. Bad as a hatter. More beer, please, miss. Doesn't like you, does he? Well, score one all. I don't like him. You uh, porter fellows ask too many questions. I think that was why he told us that fairy story? No. What do you think? About the same as you think. Oh, I thank you, miss. I'm of two minds. Are you? One, he's either insane... Probably. Or two, he's resorting to an old device which has been used successfully by better men than Norman Tufty, Esquire. Which is? Telling a half-truth in the hope that nobody will believe him. You think he killed the girl? You're all the Scotland you're, Ben. I work for a living. There's a... There's a compulsion murderers sometimes feel to talk about the murder in a kind of elliptical fashion. Seem to enjoy seeing how far they can go without getting themselves caught. Remember that chap at Wembley who killed his mother? Remember? Oops, talking about things lying on the floor. Just like a dead woman, he kept saying to people. We hanged him. I reported the execution. Good morning, Constable. Morning, Miss St. Oh, yeah, there's a Scotland Yard gentleman here in the village, sir. Would you be in? This is Chief Inspector Lincoln, yes. Constable Ernest Busby, Chief Inspector. Morning, sir. Morning, Constable. You have a spot of pigs in, Constable? I'm on duty, sir. I was wondering, Chief Inspector, if you'd seen Mr. Norman Tufty yet. Yes, we saw him earlier this morning. I wonder why I didn't say anything to me about seeing you, sir. Oh, you've seen him this morning, too. I did that, sir. I trust he received you courteously. I was out that way, Chief Inspector. Matter of a dog had no license and... Stopped by to inquire whether Mr. Tufty had any new information about his missing Miss Francesca. He was feeding the chicken? No, sir. He was digging an owl. Digging a hole, eh? Well, more properly, sir, filling up an hole. One of his ends had died of the pip, sir, and he was burying. Uh, sir, do you think he's dotty? Uh, uh, excuse me, insane, sir? Surely one buries chickens when they I die. He patted the down pit. the ground with a spade, sir, and he looked up at me and he grinned at me kind of crazy-like, sir. And what did he say, Constable? Oh, I made a note of his exact words, sir. Just like... I buried poor darling Francesca after I cut her up in pieces on the chopping block there. Pointing to the chopping block where he chops up the chicken's head, sir. <clears throat> oh. And then what, Constable? Well, sir, I admit I was horrified. I think you would be. Sir, if you please, I'm talking to the chief inspector. Forgive me. Forgive me. Uh, what did the man do, Constable? Sir, he bursted out laughing like a ruddy jackass. Did you think he was dotty, sir? It's a compulsion, Constable. Is that actionable, sir? Unfortunately, no, Constable. Could be, if he keeps it up. Couldn't it, Chief Inspector? We'll see. Oh, I almost forgot, sir. Forgot what? Violet! Why? I I'm calling the young lady, sir. What young lady, Constable? Violet. Come in, please, Violet! Who's this? Uh, come on in, Violet. Now, these gentlemen won't hurt you. 
Gentlemen, this is Miss Violet Ditkett. He was employed as a kennel maid by Colonel James Seymour, who raises Bedlington Terriers on the place uh, next to Mr. Tufty's. Morning to you, gentlemen. Morning. Oh, morning. Uh, Violet, there's a bit of information I thought you might like to hear firsthand, Chief Inspector. Well, Miss Didcot? <laughs> oh, speak uh, up, Violet. Do. Well, I've seen her, sir. Who, Miss Didcot? Speak up, Violet. Well, that, that there, Miss Francesca, sir. Miss Francesca Nicholson? Mm. When did you see her, Miss Didcot? Saturday, sir. Well, tell the Chief Inspector how it was, Violet. Well, sir, I was walking up the line to the kennels, and Miss Francesca comes hurrying along the bar road toward Mr. Tuffy's farm, and I see her, and she seen me, and she said, Hello, Violet, and I said, Hello, Miss Francesca, and she said, Have you seen Mr. Tuffy? And I said, No, and she said, Oh, there he is. Hello, darling, and I started to hurry faster, and I said, Goodbye, Miss Francesca, and when I come to the end of the line, she was walking along with him. What time was that Saturday, Miss Dickens? Oh, about uh, half after two on Saturday, sir. That's all she knows, sir, she told me. She was carrying one of the little suitcases, sir. An attache case? Oh, one of the little suitcases, sir, like a doll baby suitcase. Can I go now, Constable, please? Yeah, unless you wish to ask any more questions, Chief Inspector. No, you may go, Mr. Dickens. The doggies will be crying for their lunch, sir. Oh, by all means, let's not keep them from their lunch, Mr. Dickens. No, sir. They got pig's liver and skimmed milk. Thank you, sir. Goodbye, sir. She telling the truth, you think, Constable? Violet did get down now out to tell a lie, sir. She says she saw Miss Nicholson. She's seen her. What are you thinking so hard about, Peter? I'm wondering whose blood that is on Tufter's shirt. Sir, there's a gentleman out here to see the other gentleman, sir. Who, me? No, sir, the other gentleman, he said. Me? Yes, you, sir, the, the gentleman in the checkered jacket, he said, sir. Who is he, Violet? It's Mr. Tuffy, sir. Oh. Go ahead, see what he wants now, Peter. He's coming, Mr. Tuffy. Good day, sir. Does uh, Tuffy know that Violet saw... Uh, no, sir, I met her after I talked to him. She won't say anything, will she, to him, I mean? No, sir, I don't think so. She's rather shy. Being with dogs all the time. Besides, if she does, she knows I'll warm her bottom with a birch twig. Eh? She's my niece, sir. Uh, what do you think, Constable? About all this? Yes. Well, the nasty little beggar digs a very neat hole in the ground, sir. I shouldn't wonder if he's had practice. Here's Mr... Uh, what's his name, sir? St. John. He's a reporter. Oh, Well? What's he want? Miss, another beer, please. Yes, sir. Another pint, sir. Quite simple and quite to be expected, Chief Inspector. Oh, what? He wanted to know... Oh, thank you, miss. Here, sir. Beer, mm -hmm. sir. In fact, he offered to give my half-crown back if I'd tell him uh, what that Scotland Yard man was up to. Uh, oh? What he was going to do. Why don't you tell him? I told him that you were coming out this afternoon with a gang of navvies and dig up his whole bloody farm, Chief Inspector. I 
I did not at once follow out the suggestion of Peter Singen, although I'd already made up my mind to find out whether Norman Tufty had been burying dead chickens or a dead woman. I wanted another talk with the man. I sent Constable Busby to bring him to the local police station where I could talk in an atmosphere more calculated to impress a man of Norman Tufty's type. He sat down opposite me, smelling of chickens. Don't you ever change your clothes, Tufty? I asked curiously. Haven't any clothes to change to, Chief Inspector. I'd like to check a little more on what you've told us, if you don't mind. I don't mind. All right. When did you last see Miss Francesca Nicholson? Five months ago. Where? At my farm. She came down from Kensal Rise to visit me. Stayed in the village with Miss Powers, but she spent a great deal of time at my farm. You were engaged to be married? Right. You intended to marry? Of course. She believed that, did she? She did. What did you do when she didn't show up on the Saturday when she was supposed to arrive? Why, I, I stayed around my farm and worked, then came into town and waited for her. I have found a witness who saw Miss Nicholson on that day. I don't believe it. And who saw her with you? I don't believe that either. You're trying to... Uh, trying to what, Mr. Tuffy? Yes? Uh, excuse me, sir. Yes, yes, Constable Busby. I've got it, sir. Thank you. You can get started, then. Right, sir. Busby, did you tell Chief Inspector you seen her that day? What's with he? me? It oh. wasn't Constable Busby who saw you, Tuffy. Go on, Constable. I'll want to know what happened. Yes, sir. I know your police tricks. I, I, I interrupted you, Tuffy. <clears throat> what was it you were accusing me of when... Constable Busby, uh, you said I was trying something. Now, what am I trying to do for you? You're trying to make me talk. In my poor, benighted fashion, that is exactly what I'm trying to do, Tufty. It's quite legal, I assure you. I won't talk. I didn't do nothing. You've told two separate people that you murdered Miss Nicholson and buried her body. <laughs> I was having a joke with you. Oh, well, wasn't, that a, wasn't that joke in rather poor taste, Tuffy? <laughs> I see you're still wearing that bloodstained shirt. It's my blood. I cut myself killing chickens. You seem to have bled a lot. Some of it, it's chicken blood. Well, I'm sure you wouldn't object to allowing our laboratory to examine the shirt, would you? Would you? You're trying to frame me up. <laughs> You've been reading crime novels. American crime novels. I'd like to tell you something, Tufty. Constable Busby came in here to tell me that he has obtained a search warrant. What for? You dig up your farm. Well, they won't find anything. I wonder. They won't. They'll be there in a few minutes. But I tell you, they won't find anything. Well, they'll try. If they have to dig up every inch of your farm. Beginning at that place where you said you were burying the chicken this morning. And progressing on to where you told Mr. Sinjin and me the body was buried, Tufty. Listen. I don't hear anything. What do you think they'll find? The body of Francesca Nicholson. Well, well, I didn't kill her. Who did? I love Francesca. Do you also love your wife? How do you know about her? You shouldn't let letters lie about. Yes. I love my wife. And is that why... Who is it? Desire even I, Otto Xerxes the king. What do you want, Peter? 
I want to show Mr. Tufty something. What? Something I found in a hole, Chief Inspector. Look, Mr. Tufty. What is that? After I get the dirt brushed off, you'll see that it's an attache case. Where'd you get it? Where did you get it? It was in a shallow grave, Mr. Tufty, huh? where you said you were burying a chicken this morning. Oh, it's all quite legal, Chief Inspector. I was there with my spade poised when they brought the search warrant. And I came back here on a motor bicycle, which I rented. Very fast, Mr. Tufty. That was all I heard. Uh-huh. You heard me coming. Just take a look at the name on this attache case. Francesca. Listen to me. Listen to me, Mr. Tufty. I arrest you on suspicion of murder. It'll take much more than suspicion, Mr. Chief Inspector, to young me. Oh, don't worry about that, old boy. Constable Busby was digging up her left leg when I had to hurry away. On suspicion of murder of Francesca Nicholson, I warn you that anything you say will be taken down in writing and may be used in evidence. I'd be glad to take it down, Tufty. I use a typewriter quite well. Speak up, old boy. When the attaché case that had belonged to Francesca Nicholson was unlocked and opened, it contained one article, an unfinished dress for a baby. That was why Norman Tufty murdered her. He already had a wife, and... He said at the trial that she had hanged herself at the farm when he told her he couldn't marry her, and the baby would have to be born without a name. <clears throat> it was easy to disprove that. The corpse's neck was not broken. But Norman Tufty's was most... Thoroughly at Wandsworth Prison five weeks later on a cold and foggy morning. Appearing today on Whitehall 1212 were Harvey Hayes, Horace Braham, Lester Fletcher, Morris Dallimore, Gordon Stern, and Patricia Courtley. Whitehall 1212 is written and directed by Willis Cooper. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Whitehall 1212, April 27th, 1952. The case of Francesca Nicholson. True crime case is heard on NBC. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more of Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Thanks for pitch hitting, bro. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're you. welcome. I was, my pleasure. All right. Next week, Boston Blackie, The Life of Riley, Frontier Gentleman, Dimension X, and Big Town. Uh, Lisa Wolf will be back next week. Thank you, Mike Costella, our executive producer. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Our uh, website, Hollywood360radio.com. We'll see you next week. Hey everybody, Jared Sebastian, host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.